In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. This week on The What, we're hopping in the hip-hop time machine. It was 1998, just a little over a year past the death of two rap icons, Biggie and Pac. Some of the industry thought hip-hop was dead and would be unable to see through the violence and coastal beefs that had a firm grip on the culture, but 1998 changed all that. We saw two rising stars, Jay-Z and Lauryn Hill, release commercial and creative masterpieces. And The South, which was once considered the middle child of rap, said we grown. And Juvenile kickstarted the Hot Boys run. Masterpiece sold half a mil in one week. And Outkast released their own future classic, Equimini. Not only that, Nyla, Tribe Called Quest put out a breakup album. And we need to talk about the newcomers in 98 that changed the game from shiny suits and Rolexes back to grittiness and lyrics. I'm talking about DMX. Big Pun, Killer Cam, Nori, Can I Bust, the list goes on. This week on The What, we look back on 1998 and answer the question, which rap artist helped save rap that year and changed the game forever? So Nyla, I know being on the later side of the millennials, you may not. Yo, I'm so happy you're acknowledging <laughs> me as a millennial now. It's Thank you. <laughs> literally only for the podcast because I like to speak about facts. That's. Before I knew it was a fact, you were truly a Gen Zer in my and eyes. Just disrespect. Shout out to the Gen Zers, though. They're cool. I like them. Anyway, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> barely millennial. But no, I know we get in these spaces where we always have these conversations about, you know, all of these like lofty, big hip hop ideas, right? Where, you know, who was the best crew or what was the best era? When we start talking about like years in hip hop. You know, there's a few seminal years that people always bring up, like 1988, right? Mm -hmm. um, which obviously was before both of us was born. Yeah. Um, but you look at the albums that came out and set the foundation for what the type of hip hop we love is, right? Because before 1998, well, I'm sorry, before 1988, um, I would even say before like 1986, it was very much a ball to the ball of hip hop. It was set out in the park. Okay. You All know right. what I mean? And when when you know you have lyricists really constructing these songs and building out these stories, you yeah. know, like an Eric B and Rock Kim when follow the leader drops in uh 
88. You got KRS and Boogie, Boogie Down Productions, by all means necessary. Slick Rick, The Great Adventures of Slick Rick, which is a... Oh, my a, dad loves that. Like, album. literally, one of the foundational albums that, you know, I want to say, like, legitimized Def Jam is, like, this powerhouse. Um, EPMD, Strictly Business, shout out to Long Island. Um, you got Kane, Long Live the Kane. Um, Public Enemy, It Takes a Nation of Millions, are told us back, but also to bring just uh, juxtaposition to this, you have NWA was straight out of Compton. That's all 88, right? Yeah. So now you start taking a look at what these albums in 88 did to set up hip hop to 20 years later, right? Um, 94, the e Big puts the East on his back, ready to die. Illmatic yep. drops. Uh, uh, one of your favorite groups, Outkast, they dropped Southern Playlist. Southkast like music. Even Gangstar, you know what I mean? Rest in peace, Guru. Um, they they drop, and then at the end of 93, we get Wu-Tang. Like, I that's know- a, That's a crazy- That's what I'm saying. Like, crazy I, year. Like, just knowing you, I know these albums, just three or four of these albums that I've mentioned have had a huge impact. Am I right? Definitely. Without a doubt. Yeah, no, 1994 definitely was a crazy year. And that's, personally, that's my favorite Nas project. Illmatic, fire. Oh, brother. Oh, really? Oh, brother. What's, his, what's your favorite Nas project? If I'm being honest. I don't have one, but the, oh man! Not, All right, different combo. Moving I, I on, like, and then, I like Stillmatic more than I like Illmatic. I think Stillmatic is my favorite. Really? Yeah, because of Ether. Are you trying to be funny? Because he like mess. What I Yo, tell you? <laughs> I, I I don't acknowledge Ether. Ether doesn't live on my phone. It doesn't count. It didn't happen. It's oh. not well, on one my, mic is on. Wow! Well, he always said it didn't. I deleted. Happen. I deleted that. I deleted destroy and rebuild. Any record on the album where he's taking a shot at Hove, I. T I take it off the album because oh, what are you gosh. crazy? Gosh, all right, whatever. And all right, so moving on into another important year. Listen, a year they don't talk about enough is two thousand and three. This is my personal favorite one. You got it. It's so funny, right? If you look at the album releases, if you look at what two thousand three did in hip hop, it resembles exactly what it ex it resembles hmm. what happened that year in the NBA draft, right? And that's NBA draft. You have LeBron James, Ooh. Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, mm. uh, Chris Bosh, all of these, you know, Powerhouse superstars. Yeah. And 2003's album list rolls out the same way. You get Jay-Z's The Black Album, the retirement album. 50 Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying. Speaker Box, The Love Below. Which is the first rap album to go diamond. Was it? Yeah. I don't know if that's true. No. It might be the first double album. Are you still researching over there? It has kid? been certified diamond 11 times platinum. I'm looking for it because I know I read that somewhere. Yeah, on like some website that ends with .uk. <laughs> 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 needless to say, Nyla was eight years old at this yeah, point. Yeah, needless also, to say, she was eight years yo, old. Yo, I, I know all the dance moves to Roses. Do it right now. I know you like to thank yo. Shh, don't stink, but lean a little bit close to see. Roses really smell like boo, 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 boo. That's the dance they do on stage in the music video. Where did you learn this? <laughs> That's dance on the no, music no, video. No, no, I know that, but like, uh -oh. what about you said I have to learn? Yo, it was on 106 and Park Countdown. I just watch it. Just watch it, and you yeah, like and then me and my it. friends, yeah. So do it one more time, how's it? Oh, Caroline. <laughs> She's the reason for, for the, the word, word witch. Witch. <laughs> um, but. So, so, yeah, I mean, you, we have all these, you know, these, these, these seminal years in hip hop. Um, probably. Dang. I would be, I, I would, I would feel like, you know, you would have to mention 2012 as well. 
uh, the year Kendrick drops. Um, mm. good, good, good Kid, Mad City. Nicki dropped that year too. Nicki right? dropped that year. I don't know. Outside of two thousand and three, for sure. Night, like the years that really tend to mold what hip hop is after these these albums. I mean, I don't think we can talk about anything without mentioning '98 and how you know important it was to see a, a young, uh, to see a young burgeoning, but still, you know, real presidential like Jay Z. You know, who who just had this regality about him, like he had this hood regality about him, where you were like, he's gonna be around, he's gonna be something, he's gonna do something. Um, you have DMX dropping twice in a calendar year, going crazy, and then of course we got Lauren Hill. You have Lauren Hill. The miseducation. You have the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Like so many albums in '98, but not just that. So many moments, right? Like just there were so many moments surrounding this album because hip hop is coming out of this dark space where it was kind of counted out. But we have a guest that we have to bring on for this episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm excited. Spe- speaking of which, you know, uh, hip hop royalty. Yep. You know, you, you talk about these people that live in the space of hip hop outside of rap. Yes. Right. You live in the space of hip hop, but outside of rap. And you know, I think nobody is is uh, more equipped to talk to us about this than this guest, uh, Shaheem Reed. You know, who was at Vibe at yep. uh, you know at the, at this time, just getting the vibe, um, and is going on to talk to a lot of these people about a lot of these projects. Uh, D Block, you know him well. Uh, you know, MTV I, I, News together. My my introduction to him was MTV News. So uh, let's go pay some bills, and when we come back, we'll be chopping it up with Shaheem Reed. Yes, yes. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. 
Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. This week, we're talking about 1998, and we're going to answer why it was so important. Was it the most important year in hip-hop? And what album released in 98 had the most impact? Nyla, what were you up to in 1998? Are you trying to be funny? No, I was being serious. 1998, I was three. <laughs> but not... not <laughs> Not to discredit me, I'm I'm real thorough in, you know, hip-hop. I love this, you know, it's like a culture to me or a religion to me. Right. But we're going to bring a special guest journalist on, Shaheem Reed. He's a hip-hop journalist and the host of The Walkthrough on Twitch. Yeah. Shaheem, where you at? Shaheem. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? Hey, Sha. Definitely good to build with y'all. Thank you. How you feeling? I'm beautiful. I'm I'm, I'm great. I'm great. I'm, I'm happy to be on the show and... You know, I got the I got the call from my brother DB, fellow Met fan, long time. We won't hold we won't hold that against you guys. (laughs) Come on, we're in first place right now. (laughs) I I thought, listen, we've been in New York long enough to know not to put too much stake in anybody being number one in New York for too long. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta believe. believe. (laughs) Yo, I, I like the faith. I do. So tell us, what were you doing in 1998? Like, where were you at in the industry? Oh man, 98 was actually my my very, very beginning. That's my origin story. I just started uh, my internship at Vibe Magazine. What's so crazy about um, 98, and just to give you a real quick run through of that Vibe family, the the alumni that that came from that year and came from Vibe, uh, we have Sasha Jenkins, uh, who, who was the music editor at Vibe, who has gone on to be one of the biggest producers for the culture. He produced that that Wu-Tang of Mike Semin, and he's doing a lot of stuff with Mass Appeal. He's one of the biggest um, directors and producers for documentaries for hip-hop culture right now. Um, Minya O was there, who um, was the first person, well, she was the person who gave Nas five mics in the source. When she was in the source, she went on to become Miss Info on Hot 97 Mm -hmm. and and did so many immaculate things. Uh, Top journalism, uh, Danielle Smith, who's one of the biggest writers and authors right now. She she was the editor in chief. That 98 class of vibe was amazing. And I remember the the first um, issue that was coming out when I came was was Lauren Hill. And it was it was a big controversy because um, I think the source had actually shot Lauren Hill for the cover and vibe. They they had got like a, a photo from a photographer or a stock some something was it, it was a stock photo of Lauren um, and they put it out at the same time. And it was kind of like um the, the magazine wars back then so if if um you was on the cover of the source you couldn't be on the cover of vibe, vibe or right. xxl or whatever a matter of fact xxl um 
I don't even think it was out yet or it was just about to start when when in 98. Now you spoke about the magazine wars that were going on at the time. So let's talk about like the coastal war that was happening between the East Coast and the West Coast and Biggie and Tupac. What was going on at Vibe and how did you guys cover that? Well, I I really think the coastal war, I think that was blown out of proportion. Um, You know, obviously what happened with Biggie and Pac tragedies and, you know, Vibe magazine was right in the middle of documenting it. And, you know, some of the the, the articles, um, it's it's well documented, some of the articles that came out in Vibe um, really put everything on, on, on front street. But um, I don't really, I, I, I never really felt there was a, a, a big coastal war like that because the, the artists um, was messing with each other, you know, like, you know, when, when Biggie and Pac passed away, um, I think it was a wake up call to everybody that, yo, we got we to gotta get this money together. We got to unify as a culture. And I think you, you started to see that um, in 1997, you know, the year before 98, obviously. Because 97 is when they actually have Puff and Big on the cover, right? If I'm not mistaken. They have Puff and Big on the cover, like that East West. Yeah, um, I think I, I think that was um, Puff and Big. That happened before Pac died, mm-hmm. I believe. I think that was in like '96. That was that was before Pac passed away. Um, you know, Big died March 9th, nineteen ninety-seven, and that was just a tremendous blow to everybody. And um, I, I think I, I think we we needed to as as a culture. All of the artists figured, yo, we got we got to get our shit together. And you know, before Big and Pac, it, it wasn't like a, uh, it was maybe a little bit of tension, but it wasn't like a big beef. Like it wasn't like I think the East Coast West Coast war was was really blown out of proportion because you can't tell me as a, a, a artist or even a fan, you ain't love Snoop Dogg. You know what I'm saying? You ain't love the dog pound. You can't tell me as as a fan um, from the West Coast, you ain't love what Wu-Tang Clan was doing. You know what I'm saying? So Wu-Tang Clan, that that second Wu-Tang album came out in 1997, and them fellas was traveling all across the globe, getting a lot of love. You can't get no more New York than Wu-Tang Clan, and people was, was loving them. They were selling a lot of records on the West Coast, so... You know, I, I think it got blown out of proportion. Um, the, and, and that happens when the mainstream media gets a hold of what's going on in the culture. You know, they, they blow it up to, to a certain extent. But um, I, I think for the most part, man, everybody was just trying to, in 1998, people was trying to just refocus and re-energize themselves because we lost two Goliaths in the culture. Was there a because you said there was a wake up call in the culture, obviously. Um, but was there a wake up call amongst journalists at the time because so much of it was covered in the paper? Um, even you know radio. When I say journalism, I'm talking about you know both forms, print and um you know on air. Um, was there a wake up call amongst the journalists? Like, all right, maybe we need not to keep covering this stuff, or not, may, well, maybe obviously not because we kept covering beef. But was there um. What was there? Uh, was there like a reckoning? Was was there an acknowledgement? Like, I guess individually, like, oh man, maybe we should, maybe we should chill on this, or I can see the well, part we played in this. 
Yeah, well, by the time I got the vibe, when when I first really got into the game, vibe, I was an intern in '98. I can't tell you that there was like a uh, you know a, a, a sit down and everything. Of and course, everybody said, we, we need to we don't need to do it. But by the time I got into the game, it was just a renaissance going on in the music. It was it was just feeling so good. You know, nobody nobody was beefing, you know, in, in 1998. So what year was that Source Award where... Um, 94. Oh, that was 94? 95? When the, you could see all the tension between the coasts. So, you know, mm. West Coast... That was 95. That was 95. Okay, so I want to say, like, because 98 is like the coming of age. Like, we're past all the beef and now everybody's just trying to get to the bread, Right. Like you would say that? Yeah, I mean, 97 was, was when the record sales started really going out of control. Like, we, we, I think in 97, we saw more platinum hip-hop albums than ever before. So, you know, 97 was, was really the year where hip-hop and, you know, even Darren could attest to this because I think he was at MTV at the time or, or just coming to MTV, is that we really saw hip-hop come in to be um, just a major factor. You know, you can't be a major factor in pop culture if you're not really selling all of them records. You know what I'm saying? Like rock and roll and pop, they was kicking hip hop ass for such a long time. But in 97, you started seeing all of these artists not just hit, because at, at a certain point we, we was happy um, when Tribe Called Quest went gold, like, oh shit, Tribe Called Quest went gold, that's amazing. But in 97, we started seeing people do 4 million, 5 million, 2 million, 3 million. You know, like, it was, when 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 the artist wasn't selling 200,000 first week, it was like, oh, they, they flopped. So 97, we started seeing a lot of sales and then it started, it, it carried over into 98 where, we was like a major, major force in, in pop culture. You know, we was putting up them sales. We was getting that radio play. It was like, okay, it's time. And now, you know, artists were stepping up with really great bodies of work. This is like when they used to throw the really, really big industry parties where they used to spend like literally hundreds of thousands of dollars on on um industry parties. I remember my first industry party was the album release for Nori, N-O-R-E mm -hmm. album. And it was when I tell you it was insane. Remember I'm starting out as an intern, right? So um I, I get to the, the my first ever industry party, Nori's album release. And when I tell you it is like whatever you can imagine first coming into the industry i get to the party the first person i see is dj premier remember gangstar is on fire at yep. this time because they put out the moment of truth album in 98 you know my steeds above the clouds um royalty uh you know one of their best albums um so i see i see dj premier i see um red alert i go into the party nari comes in Nas is coming in um uh Obviously, I, Capone, I, uh, is Capone out of jail at the time? I don't remember, but it was just so many people from, from Queensbridge, Mob Deep, rest in peace to my brother, Prodigy. And it was just a really good feeling. It was just, you know, back then, New York really, really felt like the mecca of hip hop. Speaking, speaking of being in New York at that time, um, if I'm not mistaken, May, um, May, a month before you get to Vibe, or a month before you start your internship at, at Vibe, DMX drops his first album. Yeah. 
Rest in yeah. peace, DMX. So he drops his first album. What is the what is the atmosphere like in New York hip hop at that time? Yo, you know what's so crazy? Um, I wasn't living in New York at the time when DMX dropped in May. I, I moved back. I was living in Virginia. But you could feel X's energy wherever you was. Like, is that was somebody that um you, you knew that you knew that it was gonna be something special. You knew that it was gonna be something special. You you could feel it. Um, it, it resonated with everybody. He was on the mixtapes too, so you could just feel the energy. It was it was building up to a crescendo. Then he dropped dropped the Get At Me Dog, and um, you know Get At Me Dog. It, it started off where he's like, "Let's take it to the streets," and he he filmed it at the tunnel, which is hip hop royalty ever. Yeah, for um for New York hip hop. So you could you could just feel the energy. And it's sometimes we we I mean as hip hop fans, we we know it, right? Like we like when when it's gonna be the next superstar, we really could we really could tell and we really know it. Like when Drake was coming, you knew he was gonna be the next superstar. When Lil Wayne was 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 on his mixtape run and we was just waiting for that Carter three. You knew it was gonna go through the roof. When 50 Cent was coming, you knew it was gonna go through the roof. And X was before all of these guys. And you just knew it was gonna go through the roof. Cause the like X really had the, the, the perfect storm. He was on the hottest label, Def Jam, or which was building up to be the hottest label, but it was like this this staple. Um, he had a new hot crew. He had a really dope producer, Swiss, named Grease, that was giving him a whole yeah, new Grease, yeah. Um, and him, you know, he was just, he was on that survival of the Illus tour with, with Onyx and all of them. And you, and you know when you're performing with Onyx, you got to be a monster. And he mm-hmm. was holding his own, own on that stage. So it just it just felt really good. And the music was was standing up, like, all these guest appearances, he kicked the door down. And then the music, his solo songs, Rough Riders and Anthem, Get At Me Dog, it just it just felt crazy. And X brought the streets back. You know, like and, and it was it was a lot of um a well, lot where of did the streets where did the streets go? Well, I, I, you know, as a, because I'm I'm nine in '98, right? So I'm I'm listening to whatever my cousins are listening to, I'm listening to whatever my dad is listening to, right? So my cousins are listening to, you know, the Jiggy rap, right? The Jiggy, mm-hmm. we're listening to the, that's where I hear the mace, I hear the puff. But my dad is listening to Jazz O, he's listening to Jay-Z, he's listening to Kane. Um, Rakim had just dropped, um, I want to say, I think it was Seventh Letter or whatever that, what that was. Like, that's what I'm listening to with my dad, right? So I get this, this great juxtaposition. So I never understood, you know, I never understood when I got older, when I hear older guys say, well, you know, 98 is when the streets came back. Because where did where did it go? Well, I mean, obviously the, the street rappers is, is, is always gonna be there, but I'm just talking about it, what was getting the mainstream attention, what was mm-hmm. getting the sales. You know, in, in in the wake of big Puff stepped up. You know, yeah. Puff, Puff really stepped up. He was producing a bunch of stuff. He had his own records, and you know. He, he I, I'm not knocking him because I, I I love Puff album No Way Out. I love um what he did with Bad Boy and Mace and all of that. 
And I, I know people have grievances with the shiny suits, but it was a really feel good time. Like you, 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 you go to the club. And Puff was dominating. Uh, but Shot, don't you think like that whole Diddy and May shiny suit dancing era, like that feel good music kind of became like formulaic. Like it was almost as if like <laughs> easy to come up with these hits. Yeah, the shiny suit era was definitely getting too formulaic for fans. They was just seeing what Puff was doing. They was copying what Puff was doing and trying to run with it. He, he was he, Puff was making it hard. He was making it hard for him. Like you even see Jay-Z, he, he'd tell you that Sunshine record with him and um, Foxy. With him and Babyface and Foxy Brown, that was directly a result of from what Puff Daddy was doing. You know, they was getting that burn. You know, Puff was getting that burn. He was dominating the airwaves as an artist and a producer. And he was making it tough for a lot of other people. So you, you see a lot of artists coming with the coming with that formula and you know, just you know, trying to get on the radio. So let's talk about how DMX broke through because I was watching the documentary that BET did on like the Rough Rider movement and DMX had been rapping like 10 years prior, trying to get on through radio. Um, but like nobody in New York was pretty much feeling him. So like during the time and seeing him break through, how did that happen? Well, I mean, you know, <clears throat> Irv Gotti, Irv Gotti mm -hmm. uh, was a major, major catalyst for DMX's career. He, he, uh, he brought him to Def Jam and it was at a time when Def Jam was going down, but um, X had that energy and, and luckily Leo and, and um, you know, I even spoke to Russell Simmons um, you know, they, they, they were smart enough to trust Irv Gotti. You know, they were smart enough to trust his word. And, you know, Irv Gotti bought them DMX and Jay-Z at the same time. And you can't beat that. You know, you, you got two of the, you know, two of the Mount Rushmore. So who would you say, though, dominated 98 over X and J? Because that's like who's always pinned against each other, right? I loved it. You know, that 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 competition between X and J was, was amazing. It's almost like watching a basketball game and, and the lead is changing. Um, you know, Jay-Z had the streets is watch the soundtrack and then he, so he's in the lead. And then and Hard Knock Life. Huh? And then Hard Knock Life dropped that same year, right? Yeah, Hard Knock. I mean, Hard Knock Life to me for hip hop, that was absolutely the biggest album. Um, along with Lauren Hill's Miseducation and Lauren Hill. Though, to me, those were the two biggest albums um, in 98 for, for hip hop. Um, Jay-Z had the Hard Knock Life tour, which which was a, a trailblazing tour. He was the headliner. So I guess you could say Jay was the biggest. And in, in, what's interesting about it is that Jay, um, he was just number one. Because I remember um, as, as an intern, part of my duties was actually having to uh, make, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, copies of the billboard charts and, and pass them out to everybody on the staff. And I just remember for like five, six weeks in a row, Jay-Z Hard Knock Life was number one, number one, number one. And you could you could feel the energy like he had the big radio hits that people forget because I, I don't think Jay really gets into that chamber and, and performs that song. But the record, Hard Knock Life, was huge. Yeah, the Annie sample. Yeah. The record, Hard Knock Life, was incredibly big. 
Um, Money Cash Holes, which DMX was on, was tremendous. And then Money in the Thing as well. That was huh? that I said Money Ain't a Thing is another huge single from that album as well. Money Ain't a Thing. That whole album was was just a lot of singles. And you know, I, I would say if what uh, to to bring it more up to date, so maybe people who wasn't out or um wasn't feeling the energy at that time in '98. It's um think to when 50 Cent Get Rich or Die Trying came out, how he had about five or six songs in the club mm-hmm. and on the radio at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's how hard knock life was. So so it's funny you bring that up, right? Because I'm always thinking, as somebody who's raising hip hop, you know, when you hear people just stamp 98 as this pinnacle year, it then, you know, just the way my mind works, it, it causes me to a- ask like, well, what other years were there? Puts 98 above that or even above a 2003 when you got Get Rich or Die Trying, the Black Album, um, or even in 96, you know, what, what separates 98 from all these other like huge well, it's, it's, years? It's, it's always, it's always debates, man. It's, it's right. It's, it's, it's always debates about, um, I'm actually working on a, a, a project, you know, similar to this, but, um, 87 was definitely a banner year. 88 was a banner year. You got to look at 1994. Yeah, as a band of year when big dropped, when big big and Nas dropped, right? Big and Nas, and uh, really, you could you could say um, Snoop and Wu Tang as well because they came out at the very very tail end of ninety three. Okay, and their their run was ninety four. So uh, I, I think ninety four is definitely up there as one of the most pivotal years. Um, ninety eight was special because you had the you 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 ushered in um these new superstars, right? So you had Jay-Z, although he had um Reasonable Doubt to me is a classic. Same. Um, it's it's one of his best albums. A lot of people say uh volume one is a classic too. Although you had Jay put out these two classic albums, he graduated into this icon mm. you know we, you had him graduating so we see um we 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 see um maybe like he's the michael jordan of rap so he won his first championship in 98 okay you know somebody that was knocking on the door we see lauren hill who was already um a super superstar because they sold about 30 million albums <laughs> with the fujis right but she put out this um just this transcending um artistic masterpiece probably the most impactful album in 1998 because it transcended not only generations but actually that's it, it transcended generations like it's not just for people who were kids in 1998 and you heard uh that thing, you know what I mean? Like me growing up as like, I hear my mom playing it. And as I grow older as a woman, I can relate to it. You know what I mean? Like I clean my house on Saturdays listening to Lauren Hill. So that album. That's why you're late all the time. That's, I came here before you. No. Who was late today? Hello, Darren, can I get some backup? Like oh. what's up with this guy? It was Lauren, I'm sorry. It's all that Lauren Hill talk. I, I showed up late, my bad. <laughs> First of all, no shots will be made at the queen. Okay, we don't do that here. We also can't discount that 
big pun came out. And although Cypress Hill as um they they were the first Latinos to go platinum and double platinum as a group, but we saw Big Pun drop his album, which was a very, very important album, guys. Big Pun Capital Punishment. Go back and revisit that. Really dope album, classic, lyrical, beats was dope. He had everybody on there from Buster to Black Thought. Um, of course, still not a player. Mm-hmm. Remix, one of the biggest, biggest party records, 98, still to this day. And Pun was the first solo Latino artist to go double platinum. We cannot discount how big Pun, you know, like we, we talk about um, what Eminem did um, bringing in white people, right? Like, I, I, to me, Eminem is one of my favorites, whether he's black or white or whatever. It, it doesn't matter. I, I just think he's um, I just think he's one of the best. I think flows, lyrics, concepts. Eminem is one of the greatest. But he brought in a whole new generation of people that may not have been paying attention to hip hop. Pun did the same thing with our Latino brothers and sisters. That's like a he brought point. a lot of people that didn't even speak English to hip hop. And we we can't discount what what Pun did. I, I know he died early and you know he didn't even really get a chance to rock with his, his second album, but you know, Pun did did so much and um he, he's one of the best to me. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy, and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But But nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. 
Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Yeah, 1998, we also had people in the South making noise because you guys are mentioning all mm-hmm. the New York artists. Y'all are failing to mention Master P, the Hot well, Boys, well, Juvenile spoke, back then. He, he, he spoke, spoke about, on yeah. it, but he not doing all the passion that he was giving everybody else. So let's talk about... <laughs> no, we ain't going to that chamber, yo. So let's talk chamber. about Equimini, which is a classic album. Absolutely. Outcast dropped. You know, Rosa Parks was a hit. Screwed on the Barbie was a hit. Like, why we not? why we not speaking on that? Nah, one of one of um one of the greatest albums um of that year. It it is is so crazy. That year the competition was so crazy. You had so many classic albums coming out that year. Um Aquimini, and I I think it just took Outcast further along um superstar status. They was already superstars, they was already looked at as musical savants. And I think it just furthered their, their legacy. It just furthered their legacy. A lot of people say Equimini is their best album, though. I would hear that. I would definitely hear that argument out. Um, it's not my favorite one, but I do like Equimini. Yeah, Equimini. I mean, yeah, just off of... That, that was a super packed album. They got Art of Storytelling. Part one. Slick yeah. Rick is on that. Uh, Rosa Parks, of course, was a major record. It's a great album. It was. What you? What do you think is their best? My favorite one is AT Aliens. I like the AT first one. Amazing. Yeah. AT, but 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 even with that, like with, with Outkast, I'm not gonna say it was no pressure on them, but for them to follow up AT Aliens, a lot of artists can't do that. AT Aliens was such an amazing album where they they went from a, a complete they went from one sound and one vibe to to some a completely far out out of space type thing but still kept it hood but still kept it street yeah. and for them to follow up such an amazing album with Aquamini where nobody is saying that they missed a step or they fell off or anything like that incredible yeah you know, incredible for those guys man and in in 98 man um like i said master p to me out of all of all the record labels he had the most dominant year because he was he was putting up numbers let me let me pull up the, the first week numbers for for everybody real quick he sold half a mil you know just first week sales the game is to be sold not to be told snoop dogg 520,000 first week sales that's the number. That's the number three biggest first week sales of the year. Master P, MP, the last Don, the number four biggest first week sales of the year, four hundred and ninety five thousand. Number seven first week sales, Ghetto Fabulous Mystical, three hundred eighty six thousand. Number nine first week sales, Silk the Shocker, Charge It to the Game. Two hundred and eighty-eight thousand. He actually Silk the Shocker actually sold more the first week 
then DMX is dark as hell is and hell is high. Oh, wow. So Master P had a dominant, dominant year. Yeah, no limit was um, out of here. Yeah. But no did limit. you guys really like what songs based off of that Snoop album that came out with No Limit? Were y'all really feeling? That's because my that's always my main question. Like it sold big, but was that because of the hype around Snoop defecting from Death Row yeah, to No Limit? Yeah. Or and, and everything that that brings with it. Um because you know, being growing up in this game, there's 21 songs on that album, and I I don't hear any of them um, still reverence to talk about the yeah. way that you no, know well, those first Snoop and Dre songs are the ones that we always lean back on when we were. No, that that was that was hype. That that was hype. It, it was it was a song on there called Snoop World that I like, but I don't think nobody else even knows about that. Right? <laughs> it, it was hype. It, it was you know Snoop leaving No Limit. Snoop was still a superstar, um, and it was it, it it almost it almost felt like Pac coming to Death Row, Snoop coming to No Limit, mm. a major superstar going to, and Snoop at that time obviously is an icon. Like he's he he was bigger than what Pac was when Pac was coming to Death Row. I wouldn't be me if I didn't ask this question. Uh, who's the biggest flop from '98? <laughs> it gotta be cannabis. It gotta be cannabis. You know, because because he just had the, the most expectations, you know, just just um, we, we, we just felt that with, with, with him coming with him coming out, because um, like I said, all of the, 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 the cannabis was just on fire on the mixtape circuit. That's one thing I don't think we touched on here is that the mixtape circuit was was super, super huge in 1998. Cannabis was known as one of the great lyricists and we just felt that he was going to have one of the greatest careers because his bars were just incredible like he he was scientific he he would he would just break down things in different ways um he, obviously he had the gall to just ll cool j and get on into the record <laughs> And that was kind of the beginning of the downfall. You know, L is, is somebody who um, he he so loved at the time. It's, it's hard to it's hard to do like it's like you know how right now it's hard for somebody to come out and diss Drake just because he's he's so loved. Like imagine L L J at that time <laughs> was Drake to the fifteenth power. Like he was a he was not only a legend, excuse me, he was not only a legend, but he was still one of the hottest yeah. artists at the time. I you think know? just like, because you love an artist doesn't mean you can't be critical over the art. Because it is yes, art. It does. No, he wasn't critical. He yes, does. it does. When, it, when it take... comes to the fans. No, he's, it, I thought you were talking about the Ella Cool J song. Yeah, cannabis, t cannabis, it's not like cannabis was like, yo, I wonder if you still got it, right? It would be one thing if he questioned him at, because, you know, there was question when the Todd Smith album comes out, there was questions like, why are you doing this? This sounds like all girl records. It was a lot of critique, but cannabis bypassed all that. He told him, <laughs> I'm going to take the mic off your arm. He said that Listen. on his record. That's Listen, crazy. I'm going okay. I'm to I'm 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 answer, answer another question real quick. Um, if a female was to come out today, a female singer was to come out today, and this Mary J. Blige, do you know they would crucify that girl <laughs> right there on the spot? Two different, two different art forms, though. 
two different art forms. But it's still the R and B isn't known for R and B isn't known for the back and forth. There's no R and B diss tracks. That's true. Hip hop is a competitive sport. So that's, so that's why I push back on that, and I say no one's above criticism. Nobody is above criticism. Nobody you you could you could send a shot at whoever, but like like um. That's why I don't like that Eminem did that this song to Michael Jackson. How you this? He's a weirdo. But but Jackson? in regards to like like um, I'm losing. I'm having a brain fart. Mary J. L. No, what's cannabis. his what's his name on the wire? Um, Michael B. Mm-mm. Uh, my Mac Wells. No, what's 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 Omar? Omar. Oh, what did Omar say on the wire? If you come for the king, you bet not miss. And that's what cannabis did. Cannabis missed, <laughs> and it was all downhill <laughs> from there. So if we had to pick one project that dominated '98, was the best project of '98. We going with? I think you. I think you got to go with. To me, I think you got to go with um, the miseducation of Lauren Hill. You got to go with miseducation of Lauren Hill because it did um, just the all of the the critical the critical acclaim. Yeah. Just because right now it stands the test of time, like people will fight you over that album. It's definitely um, even in the uh, uh, Congress National Library. It's- yeah, I mean she she's still touring off of off of this one album. You know she's still selling out arenas off of this one album i gotta go with i gotta go with jay-z hard knock life album because it was just big for hip-hop culture i'm not it i mean obviously it crossed over but he had the hard knock life tour to go with it and it was just so dominant it was it was number one for five weeks and uh it ushered our and don't start debating me on this. I know y'all like the debate, but it ushered our greatest MC ever, who is Jay Z, Sean no. Carter. There was no debate. You thought a debate was coming behind that? Okay, some people like to debate it. No, no, we're no, we're civilized human beings. We would never okay, debate such it. a such a claim. So it it ushered. Wait, so y'all our, saying Jay Z? Is he has, better, he has that. He has that. Nobody debate. Is it y'all saying that Jay Z is a better MC over Nas? Yeah, we've been said that. Go ahead, um, Shaheem. What you were saying? <laughs> I, I would. Yo. I would say that. Not a disrespect well, up here is crazy. Just, 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 just no, really no, no. Shaheem, we done with you for the day. Oh, thank you for joining us. We, we don't do disrespect it's, it's on really the what quick. podcast. Wait, let me explain because I'm I'm a Queens guy, so I, I can't front on Nasir Jones. When I when I when I look at the goat, I don't just look at. What they did lyrically, I look at the impact that they did on the game. Um, you look at everything that Jay Z is doing, all of the artists that he put in. But we were uh, talking about MC. You didn't say the greatest entrepreneur. You didn't say the greatest. Like you comes, said, MC. That, I factor all of that in. I factor. No, all but no, that don't got listen, nothing. That, listen, that, 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 listen, Nazir. Elon just, Musk is a great has a great portfolio, <laughs> but when it comes to this rapping. Now nah, yeah, I didn't even want to get to, I didn't even want to get into this tone on this podcast. <laughs> I, I can't was, believe I would say High Knock Life. You, you look at the tour. The, the tour was groundbreaking. It, it kind of set the template for everything that we're doing right now. The Rolling Louds and the Broccoli Fest and all of this, where we had all hip hop, mm-hmm. no R and B. We had all hip hop come together and sell out. 50-something arenas every night, no violence, nothing crazy. It, it showed, I mean, oh, and we civilized people, we, sh- we shouldn't have to prove it, but it just showed that we could come together as a culture, have a great time, 
these people can make money. Um, they could have sponsors and, and, and Yo, do I it. think, yeah, sponsors making money, impact tours, like that's great. Those are all business perspective and things that impact the music. <laughs> but when it comes to just straight MCing, y'all can't say that Nas is not a better rapper than Jay-Z. Yeah, because no, I can't because I have ears. And then on top of that, hold on, hold on, <laughs> yo, I can't. So who did you say, well, who would you pick as the best Album for '98. I'm gonna probably say it's it's a it's hard. It's a toss up between Equimini and Hard Knock Life. But I'm probably gonna lean towards Equimini. So you're not even picking Lauryn Hill. Mm-mm. Wow. What? It's tough. It's 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 a lot of albums in '98. Yeah, it's a, that, it's a bunch that, of that albums, milestone albums, right? Like, so yeah, I, I don't think you can go wrong. I don't think Hard Knock said, or Quimini even compare to the miseducation of Lauren Hill and how it still penetrates to the culture to this day. Like people, how does how doesn't it? Equimini, like there's certain things done on Hard Knock Life tour that was done to benefit hip hop. Are we talking about the tour? Forward. Are we talking about the music? I'm talking about the, about the music. Different components. I'm talking about the music. I'm talking about there were certain things done. The music led to the tour. Like, it it, it, it all tied in together. Like, it, it, it's all... I, I get how the Listen, I understand, I and I love the miseducation. Uh, I, I think I have probably a more... Re- I think I have more, like, a more realistic outlook on it, it, it because I was nine when it came out. So, you know, I didn't really ingest it until I was about 12, 13. All right. Um, fully. So, I don't think... I don't see it as... The, like, it was groundbreaking. It was all this... Do, I don't see it being this thing that nothing can be better than or nothing can have, you know, a more um, a more substantial impact. I, I don't I do think that hip hop as a as a genre benefited greatly more from the release of Equimini in uh, Hard Knock Life than hip hop benefited from um, the miseducation of Lauryn Hill. That, I, I, I could be wrong. I mean, and I guess that's your view on it coming from a nine-year-old to a 13-year-old. And then my view is coming from, you know, a (laughs) three-year-old to whatever. But not to say, like, growing up, I listened to hip-hop. My mom would play, Mm -hmm. you know, Lauryn Hill. My dad would play Jay-Z in the car. And it's like, what has more replay value is definitely the miseducation of Lauryn Hill. And not only does she talk to women, but she talks to men, too. All right, maybe Zion is not the number one player. When was the last time you played Lost Ones? All the time. When I played Lost Ones yesterday. All the time. I played Lost Ones yesterday. I, yeah, I, I, like you're bugging. When was the last time you played Hard Knock Life? It was on Thank that. You, please, no, no, no. It was on and that. You're play. A DJ. It, it was when on... was the last time you let Hard Knock Life off? When was the last time you let Money Cash Hose off? When was the okay, last Money time Cash Hose, yes. Hard Knock Life ain't a been thing. A when was the last time you let these records off? Okay. It, and I guess it depends on environment also. I'm it it saying, depends on re- environment. You said replay value. I'm, I've never been listen, anywhere and been like, yo, uh, listen, hey, King, I, I, put on I, I, Zion I real say, fast. Yo, say, you got, why you keep leaning on Zion like that was the fucking lead single for yo, the Shaheem, podcast? Yo, like, Shaheem, I never got in the car was like, yo, play uh, play Lost Ones real fast. I never did that. Yo, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I, I never did that. I'm, I'm in the crib but by the, myself. At, like, all right, all right. At, the, at that time, at that year, Lost Ones was 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 a dominant record. Lost Ones Lost is tough. But you also, we got to give credit to DMX. DMX dropped two albums two that albums, year. Two yes. albums that two year. Two albums. The first one to do it. Let's go around the room. We talked a little bit about the biggest album of 98, but who, which artists, because we, we talked about a couple, be a DMX, Big Pun, Jay, Lauren, Outkast. Which artists, you know, let's start with you, Nyla. Do you think had the biggest impact on 1998? Which artist? Impact, I would say DMX. 
That, why? Because of the whole Rough Riders movement. Everybody wanted to be a biker. <laughs> like the dogs. It was like really a thing. And no, I wasn't alive, like I said, but I or I was alive, but I was so young. Like watching just the docs and doing my research on YouTube. Like and even like the the BET special the that they did, like nah, that that was nuts. They had like the city on lock and even the tunnel thing. You talking about how um at the club, a lot of like my DJ friends used to be like, yo, X, like you could only play X, you know, and play it on repeat at the club. So I'm gonna give it to DMX. Um, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna agree with that. If we're talking about who had the the, the the specific impact that year. But once again, you know, we cannot forget Jay-Z and Outkast and, you know, even Master P for what they left, what they did in 98, how it affects hip hop today. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, Outkast being the the face uh, uh, or the front of that movement of, of Southern artists making music. Um for the world to ingest, um, Master P, just as far as business acumen, and of course, you know Jay Z for what he did for hip hop as a as a whole. But I think if we're talking specifically who impacted '98 the most, you'd have to say DMX. And really, I would say like because like Outkast is probably one of my favorite groups ever. But the only reason why I can't give it to them is because they didn't have like the same amount of commercial success as like DMX did. Like mm -hmm. DMX had mad records on the radio mm -hmm. running it up and same like that's why he's over every artist we just named but shy let us know impact 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 um i mean i don't want to keep saying ho i, I, I think ho wow <laughs> Definitely DMX drop. I, I love always, this podcast. Always, always say, wait, 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 wait. Let me let me go back a little bit. I think it's Hoven X. I think it's Hoven X is a toss up because um, DMX he, he brought the streets back. You know, going back to the first conversation that that we had when it seemed like everything was going left, DMX made it possible for like real renegade street hip hop artists to go out there and not just put out music, but be viable commodities. Like this guy went multi-platinum twice that year. Like he he showed that the streets, you know, people got, to, people say the South got something to say. The streets had something to say as well. So I, 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 lo I love what DMX did with um, just bringing the streets back. I think it's Hovind X. I think it's Hovind X is a toss up because um, DMX, he, he brought the streets back. But no, for real, if we had to, we had to wrap it up when we pick in one song that represent 1998. When you think 1998, what song you is it? Think of this song, you think of 1998. I mean, Rough Riders Anthem. It would Rough have Riders to be Anthem. Rough Riders Anthem. Or Doo-Wop. Doo that or thing Doo -wop, sounds yeah. like, it's, it's, it's like I remember being nine, I remember seeing that video on MTV. I remember seeing that video on BET after the summit. Like I remember these things vividly as a nine year. I remember, you know, living living on Long Island, we we took the we took the cheese bus to school. I remember that song being played on the radio on the bus. Like the wow. bus driver was, you know, the bus driver was like, nah, 
Like she was playing hot ninety seven. She was playing ninety eight point seven. That's fine. Um, also, for, for I, I don't know how it was everywhere around the world, um, around the country, but in New York, um, Shaheem, A King, Darren, they could tell you like New York, um, radio was so different at the time, right? There was there was the hip hop station, which was. Um, which was Hot 97, that was it. Mm-hmm. And then there was, uh, at the time, 98.7 Kiss FM. And then there was BLS. They did not play rap. Anything that had any rap in it, they muted it. They did not play rap. That was the first time I heard a rap record on 98.7 Kiss or BLS. Oh, wow. So, like, yeah, 90, when I think of 98, I think of those two, I think of those two records. I put Super Thug up there. So many great. I mean, so I thought a Super Thug, but for me, the now Pharrell's um, production on that kind of it 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 puts it above, but it also makes me think of like a different era. When I hear Super Thug, I automatically think of the two thousands. When I hear Super Thug, like if you don't know, it came out in ninety eight. You hear Super Thug for the first time, you're gonna be you're like, gonna "Oh, this that. came out. Oh, this came out 2000, 2001. Like it was so futuristic." Yeah, that was a, that was a big record. Nori had a big that Nori album. Like I said, it was my first album release party. That was a big album too. It, it's just so many great moments and so many great projects to come in '98. To, to single out a song is tough. Super Thug was crazy. Still not a player, big pun. Huge. I don't yeah, mean to keep going back to Huge. pun. That was a monster. That was a monster. Oh, yeah, I think that should be in the top three, actually. Still not a player? Still not a Absolutely. player. Absolutely. For 98. It was a monster, monster record. I think 1998 is one of the, the top seminal years in hip-hop, not only because it had so much great music coming out, songs, albums, I mean, we, we we talked the whole year. We didn't even get on that Giddy Mo- Goody Mob Still Standing album, which was dope. Uh, the Black Sky and Yo. They Don't Dance No More records like that, which I really thought was dope. But um, it, it it was, it, it ushered in a, a, a class of new artists. I mean, Locks put their first album on in 98, my favorite group, um, Cameron. Um, Mace came out at the end of 97, so he was really new in 98. DMX, Big Pun, Lauren Hill as a solo artist. We saw Jay-Z go to the king of rap. Um, it, it was just a, a, a big year because it, it gave us new artists. We had veteran artists still doing their thing. And then we had people that might have been like the, the, the up-and-coming icons ascend to legendary status. Well, Shaw, thank you so much for tapping in with us, man. This was a great discussion. I learned a lot, to say the least, from you guys, even though I don't necessarily agree with everything, but very insightful. <laughs> you don't have to agree with the truth for it to be the truth. The truth has many sides. No, it just has one. Oh, you got your side, my side, his side, and then the real truth. Right, so there's just the truth and then there's a bunch of people lying about the truth. All right, so you're one of the liars. No, nah, I was told the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Sha, we appreciate you for chopping it up with us, man. Um, You you also spoke about in the beginning, you have your show on Twitch, The Walkthrough. Please take a few seconds, let the people know about that. Yeah, d- definitely. Uh, please check me out on The Walkthrough um, every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. Behind the Rhyme TV is the name of our channel. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of great interviews, everybody from Will Smith, Snoop Dogg, Rick Ross, Sweetie, uh, Black China, uh, Lil Tecca, Trippy Red, 
um, everybody. We got a we got a mixture of. A, a how do you keep How do you keep doing it, Shaw? How do you keep doing it from being somebody I I grew up idolizing and you know the words I, I tell people all the time. You, Rob Markman, um, um, Bond, so like uh, you got uh, Kim Osario, like you guys. I grew up being fans of your work and then now, you know, to, to even be able to, you know, be on stages and, and re refer to you as a peer. Now, like, how do you keep transcending, especially journalism? It keeps changing. Like it, it keeps changing. It's changed so much from 98 when you j began interning to now you're on Twitch doing this. How do you keep finding a pocket? Not well, definitely. Um, first of all, I, I, I appreciate the love, man. And, and it's really dope to watch the, uh, I can't really call y'all the new generation because y'all been doing this for a minute, but it's definitely good to, to see that, um, you know, the, the people that's coming up in the generations after us are uh, representing the culture to, to the fullest. And uh, I, first, I love the name of the show too, the what, one of my favorite songs. So that's, that's genius as well. But you know, we, we love it. You know, the good thing is we started off really young. We started off as babies. You know, like a lot of these rappers that got in, made their first album at 20 years old, we, that's how old we was, you know mm. what I'm saying, starting off in the game. So uh, we still got a passion for it. Uh, we still got great relations and we, we, we know how to network and, and politic. And, you know, the, the really great thing is that um, just like you came up watching us, a lot of these uh, young artists came up as watching us. A lot of the veteran artists are our friends. So... You know, we we able to politic it, and I still love the culture, man. I'm I'm still like really, really immersed in the culture. Y'all see my background, all mm -hmm. of the albums and stuff. Like, I'm still in it. I still love it, and uh, you know, I I don't feel like an old man and nothing like that. So as long as I'm able to to, to stay energized and and keep it young, I'm gonna do it. That's it. That's it right there. Yeah. That's it right there. Now y'all at home understand something. If y'all want to argue with. Nyla, if y'all want to argue with you, whoever's in charge of the account, <laughs> y'all make sure y'all follow us on socials. Yes. Make sure you use the hashtag, the what hip hop pod to tap in in the conversation. Instagram after. and Twitter. Make sure you guys subscribe, like, follow, share the what podcast on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. We everywhere. And wherever you in. get your podcast from. Period. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. 
Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.